Cause I'm a gypsy Are you coming with me? I might steal your clothes and wear them if they fit me Never made agreements Just like a gypsy And I won't back down cause life's already bit me And I won't cry, I'm too young to cry if you gon' quit me Cause I'm a gypsy I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. When Tyson Fury defeated Vladimir Klitschko and became the heavyweight champion of the world, it took me and the rest of the world by surprise, some so much that Ring Magazine named it the upset of the year. And a few weeks after that fight, I thought that should he be victorious in the rematch with Klitschko, which was to take place this year, Tyson had a major opportunity for himself and the sport. This was his chance to either become the Muhammad Ali of his era or, should he lose, a chance he could become the Leon Spinks. Spinks, as you know, lifted the title from Ali back in 1978 in a fight which was named the Fight of the Year, only to lose it in a rematch to Ali and never reach his full potential. After making controversial comments about Jews, homosexuals, and women, it seemed like he was dancing between the two. Ali was no stranger to saying things that outraged people, such as calling for the deaths of interracial couples and the segregation of the races, and Leon Spinks was often drawn to trouble like a moth to a flame. However, with the constant postponement of the Klitschko rematch due to mental health issues as stated by the Fury camp, you had to wonder what was going on in the mind of this 28-year-old champion. Then came the report from Dan Rayfield of ESPN that Fury had tested positive for cocaine. And with his recent admission in Rolling Stone magazine that, yes, he had been using cocaine leading up to his now-canceled rematch with Klitschko, it seemed that Tyson Fury has decided to fully embrace his inner Leon. With Tyson saying that he is now seeking professional help, it's sadly obvious that his professional career is up in the air. He said that boxing is the worst thing that he's ever gotten into, but then again, he might just be playing the media like he always claims to be doing. Yeah, it's... It's been an interesting week for Tyson Fury. Not in a good way, either. Uh, how do you go from being a heavyweight champion of the world? You, you, you commit what's called, or sorry, you commit the upset of the year by defeating Vladimir Klitschko. Just a reminder, I did not have that as my upset of the year. But uh, either way, you do that, and I'm not going to uh, take that away from him. Nobody can. Like it or not, it wasn't the greatest fight. It was an ugly fight, but he still beat Vladimir Klitschko, the guy who ruled the heavyweight division for 10 years plus. He beats him. He's named Fighter of the Year by Ring Magazine, an honor in and of itself. And yet, for some reason, he can't hack it. It kind of took me by surprise, and what was even more shocking were the people coming to his defense saying... They were saying that the Dan Rayfield article was not true. That, oh, Dan's making this up. It's not true. Tyson Fury has never uh, done cocaine in his life. I had so many people arguing with me that at one point, Dan had to jump in and say, if it's not true, how come Tyson Fury's camp has not disputed the article? How come Tyson Fury himself has not disputed? How come his promoters, how come Vada, who was doing the testing, they have not denied it? It's all just kind of like no comment. See, if somebody says something about you on the internet that's not true, 
there's not much you can do about it, unfortunately. But if it's a major publication or broadcast entity like ESPN or the Washington Post, LA Times, something like that, then you can sue them. Because they're putting it out there that, you know, you're doing drugs when it's not true. I mean, th- this is common sense, people. And yet I've I had all these people saying, oh, I know Tyson, he, he never did cocaine. And then came the Rolling Stone article. And as soon as they saw that, it's kind of like, okay, I've got to block you, I've got to block you, I've got to block you, because, no, we just got to plug our ears and say, la, 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 la. That's all it is. Um, now, for the issues of uh, his mental health, well, that's unfortunate. If he really is bipolar, then um, I'm not going to harp on him for that, okay? I'm not going to kick a man when he's down, because I don't know what that's like for a human being, okay? I don't know what it's like to actually be clinically depressed. Have there been moments where I've been extremely sad in my life? Yes, there have, but probably not to the extent that he's going through right now. However, no matter how sad you get, there's real, really no excuse for doing cocaine, okay? If he wants to do the whole, oh, it's because I'm a gypsy, you're persecuting me, well... No, that that's a ton of crap, okay? And even Peter Fury, his uh his trainer and his uncle, is saying, Oh, I, I can't wait to meet the people who introduced him to cocaine. Oh, I'm I'm so angry, I'm so upset. Rawr! Come on. Why don't you smack your nephew upside the head first and say, What the hell were you thinking snorting cocaine? Why aren't you in the gym getting ready for this, okay? And Jesus Christ, do you think Muhammad Ali wasn't being persecuted when he was heavyweight champion of the world? Ugh. My sympathy can only go so far, but you gotta think, what is the cocaine going to do for me? If anything, it's just gonna make things worse. Has nobody ever seen Scarface? Say hello to my little friend! So look... If he can uh, get himself some treatment, which he's apparently doing right now, and if he can get better, great. Good for him. I, I honest to God, I'm not a big fan of this guy, but I uh, don't want to see him dead or anything like that. Because if you read the Rolling Stone interview, it's actually very sad because he's saying that he feels like he doesn't want to live anymore. But then again, maybe he's just doing like uh, when he announced his retirement a couple days ago on Twitter. And then he says, haha, I was just kidding. I was playing the media, even though he doesn't know how to spell media right. I, I don't get it. Uh, who knows? Anyway, where does this leave Vladimir Klitschko? Because he's, he's been training for this fight. He's had to postpone it uh, from July when it was originally supposed to take place because of an ankle injury due to uh, Tyson Fury. So what happens for him? The big talk and the most exciting thing that can happen is a fight with Anthony Joshua. Joshua, if you're unfamiliar, was the gold medalist in the super heavyweight division at the 2012 London Games. He is 17-0 with 17 knockouts. He currently holds the IBF heavyweight uh, title and he's uh, made one defense. He currently has a match scheduled for November or late November of this year. Why not Vladimir Klitschko? 
Yes, he would have to uh, adjust his training style, but he's got more than a month to do so. And I think it would be a very interesting matchup. And it has the feeling of a real crossroads fight. Klitschko is 40 years old. Joshua obviously is not. He was actually, uh, he's only 26 years old. But the more I think about it, I think that, well, are Joshua's uh, promoters and handlers that confident in their guy? Probably. But at the same time, you have to look at the resume of Vladimir Klitschko. Yes, he did lose to Tyson Fury, but that could also be because, well, Fury was taller than him and very, uh, who knows? Klitschko could have been unmotivated for the fight. Could just be that age finally caught up to him on that night. But at the same time, Klitschko for 10 years straight was the most dominant heavyweight in the division. So, I can understand why the fight would not happen, but at the same time, I'm hoping it is. It would be an excellent matchup for boxing fans. Moving on. Finally tonight, uh, there's not a lot of boxing news outside of uh, the latest Tyson Fury controversy, and that's because there are no major fights in October at all. In fact, uh, the next major fight that's going to be taking place is between undefeated fighters Sergey Kovalev and Andre Ward for the light heavyweight championship and that's uh mid to late November now I know that some of you might be saying Andrew what about Jesse Vargas versus Manny Pacquiao that's my response some terrible fake flatulence to express my like or rather dislike for the fight yeah i know i said earlier that hector franco had changed my opinion slightly but didn't change it for long uh anyway as i'm sure some of you are aware yesterday we got the incredibly sad news that aaron Pryor, the former 140 pound champion regarded probably as the greatest champion that division's ever had had passed away at the age of 60 after a battle with heart disease. Pryor was one of those fighters whom I didn't know a lot about because when I got into boxing, I wanted to learn everything, but in all the studies that I had done, I had not heard of him. In fact, uh, the only reason I did find out about him was because of the amazing uh, Legendary Night series that HBO did, and they covered his classic fight with Alexis Arguello. Pryor was phenomenal. Just he—he he, was—he was almost kind of like a Tasmanian devil. This come out with this whirlwind attack, but it never seemed sloppy. He was just brutal. He was a micro Mike Tyson, and nobody wanted to fight this guy. He moved out of the lightweight division, moved up to 140, uh, knocked out uh, Antonio Kid Cervantes for the title. Apparently, uh, I saw, I've seen old tape where he says that he has Cervantes' pictures all over the training camp, even on the ring, so that no matter where he looks, he sees them. That just makes him more motivated to knock him out, and <laughs> not a bad plan for him. But he always wanted that huge fight that would get him recognition. He always wanted a fight with Ray Leonard. And there was a clip in the Legendary Knights episode about them where uh, promoter Butch Lewis, he says that uh, he doesn't know this for sure, but he had heard that Ray Leonard 
moved up in the amateurs to get away from Aaron Pryor. And apparently they were good friends in the amateurs, but uh, after Leonard turned professional, after winning the gold medal, that everything kind of changed between them. And I can understand Pryor's disappointment. He was an alternate for the Olympic team, but uh, unfortunately he lost his spot to Trevor Howard, who went on to win a gold medal when the... You know, yeah, he won the Outstanding Boxer Award over Ray Leonard, but at the same time, he never won a title in his career. In fact, the I think the biggest uh, highlight of uh, Trevor Howard's career is that he held Meldrick Taylor to a 12-round draw, and this was before Taylor uh, had lost to Julio Cesar Chavez. So Pryor's got to look at that saying, well, great, now I've, I've got to become a sparring partner for Howard Davis just to uh, make ends meet while at the same time building my own career. And he's looking at people whom he feels that he's better than, like Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns. He, he had beaten Thomas Hearns in the amateurs. I recently watched their uh, amateur fight from 1976. It's a great fight. Uh... It's tremendous. Pryor was uh, 20 years old at the time. Thomas Hearns was 17. And you could already kind of tell that these were going to be two big stars in the future. And, oh my, it's kind of outstanding. Uh, Hearns, his physique, I'm just thinking, there's no way that anybody should be able to really get inside and get close because Tommy's, his, you know... His arms are so long, they sh- they're almost touching his ankles at least. But uh, no, prior to his credit, he went in there, took the fight to Hearns, and Hearns held his own, but you could just tell that this fight belonged to Aaron Pryor. And it was uh, the fight that with, or sorry, it was the fight with Alexis Arguello that really cemented his legacy in boxing. Arguello was a uh, three-division champion. He was moving up. To the junior welterweights, he wanted to become the four, or the first person to win four titles in four different divisions, and the only person standing in his way was Aaron Pryor. Pryor was hungry for recognition. Uh, Alexis Arguello was hungry to make history, so they were both clearly motivated. And from beginning to end, this fight is a classic, and I felt kind of stupid because. Uh, I think it was maybe 2007 when I first uh, had heard of this fight, and when I finally got to watch it, I thought, holy crap, this is amazing. This is brutal. And yes, there is the controversy the controversy with Panama Lewis and the brown bottle, but I don't think Aaron Pryor had anything to do with that. that, that that's just my personal belief. But um, it's too bad that Pryor, at the same time, never got the huge recognition that he always sought. He did defend his title multiple times, uh, made a comeback in 1987 only to lose. It was the only loss of his professional career, in fact, and that was to a fighter named Billy Joe Young. And for uh, the rest of the 1980s, from 88 and uh, even in, he fought, his last fight was in uh, 1990, but you could tell that it, not the best opposition. I mean, one fighter had 13 wins and also 13 losses, but uh, at the same time, he didn't have to wait long to get into the Hall of Fame. He got in in 1996, 
everybody will always be talking about his fight with Alexis Arguello. The the two fights, particularly, I think a lot of people always overlook the the second fight because Breyer was a lot more dominant in that fight. I in fact uh, he knocks Arguello down three times, and in the first uh, round he actually knocks him down just with a jab. So that's quite telling. But uh, also, uh, Panama Lewis wasn't in his corner that time. He actually had hired Emmanuel Stewart a few weeks before the fight. And, yeah, Aaron Pryor was just dominant. I had seen matchups. Like, uh, Ring Magazine a few years ago were were doing these hypothetical matchups. Like, uh, one of them was Paul Williams versus Wilfred Benitez. And another one was Aaron Pryor versus Manny Pacquiao. I think everybody had picked uh, Aaron Pryor to win, and Max Kellerman even said Pryor would knock Pacquiao out in just six rounds. And I've been watching a lot of uh, fights when I heard about the news yesterday of Aaron Pryor, and I have to agree. As much as I love Pacquiao, I think, oh, he he would take uh, quite the shellacking against uh, Aaron Pryor. And Pryor had incredibly underrated boxing ability. He had over 200 victories as an amateur and only 16 defeats. That's incredible in and of itself. And you actually, when you watch the uh, Alexis Arguello fight the first time, when Arguello starts making this comeback, because for the first several rounds, he just he doesn't have enough time to counter the onslaught that Aaron Pryor is pouring on. But after a while, you see that he's starting to connect with these hard shots. And Pryor even admits, he hit me with a shot so hard that I thought he had knocked my head off. So Pryor did what any great fighter would do, and that's adapt to the situation. So he decides, okay, I'm not going to go in there swinging, swinging. I'm just going to box him from the outside. And he does. And even on the commentary, Ray Leonard saying it's really something to see Aaron Pryor as, as strictly a boxer. And he had incredible in-and-out movement. He he was slipping punches. It was it's really a sight to behold, and it's just uh, too bad that unfortunately, 60 years old, it's the same age that Sugar Ray Leonard is today, and it's such a pity that a great champion like Pryor. Uh, just taken from us like that. It's a pity that he didn't get the recognition that he deserved in his time. But at the same time, he is a member of the International Boxing Hall of Fame. He got in his first year of eligibility. He had an outstanding record, beat some of the best fighters of his era. His fight with Alexis Arguello, I believe it was named Fight of the Decade. Now, if it wasn't, I would love to know what the hell topped that. The only fight I can think of that could do that is Hagler Hearns. But this went for 14 rounds, so... I don't know. It, it's a very short list of fights that could top uh, Pryor Arguello 1. But uh, it's a pity that we've lost Aaron Pryor. Maybe we should kind of take this as a warning sign to uh, not constantly overlook fighters who we just think, well, they aren't that good. They're not fighting in a glamorous division. They're not the matinee idol that we want them to be. Because Aaron Pryor was not. He couldn't be the good guy. He was always the bad guy. He kind of embraced it, but uh, at the same time, you could tell that he wanted to be appreciated. But so long as people remember fights and fighters like uh, Aaron Pryor, Alexis Arguello, and their classic matchup, 
we can guarantee that he'll never be erased from the history books. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Adzizic, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. (laughs) 